world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard, fear no evil. Get yours today, only at LipstickBodyguard.com. The caring nurse, the nice couple down the road who look in on mum and dad, the neighbour boy who mows the lawn, the carpenter, the plumber, the attorney in charge of dad's affairs, and the new pastor at the church. Sociopaths can come in many disguises, and their favourite prey is the elderly. Detective Joseph Rubacek has worked thousands of cases just like these, and now he's here to tell all. Welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert Diane Berardi. My guest this week is a nationally recognized expert criminal investigator. His specialty is financial exploitation crimes involving the elderly. Since 1990, as a detective with the Fort Lauderdale Police Department and Florida State Attorney's Office, he has personally handled over a thousand cases. He was part of the original panel that wrote Florida's criminal exploitation law created in 1995 and has developed training programs for law enforcement, adult protective services, and universities. He's the author of the book Financial Abuse of the Elderly, a detective's case files of exploitation crimes, which became the basis of a new television pilot, Rubicek, written by Joe Forbrich, the actor and writer, known for the film The Taking of Pelham 123. Detective Joseph Rubiak, welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Rubicek, I apologize, Joe. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> and I kept saying, Rubicek, Banachek. <laughs> that was good. Uh, yeah. yeah. I apologize. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. And this is a, a topic that, my gosh, I, I didn't even realize, I guess, I mean, this is you're like a trailblazer. This is this was happening in the '90s, which this, yeah, it was uh, the 1990s was when I got started with it, and I just thought it was so odd because I was new in the fraud unit with the Fort Lauderdale Police Department, and the state was not prosecuting cases where the victim uh, didn't have capacity due to short-term memory loss, things like that, and uh -huh. they were basing it on the time because they have a format they follow when filing cases okay. and um that just didn't seem right at the time so it really got my attention now could you tell the audience what makes um financial exploitation different than other financial crimes that target the elderly well really it's simple it's different from all the other crimes because it requires three things one is that the victim be a certain age so in florida for exploitation that age is 60 years or older and um, it may be 65 and older in other states. Okay. And the second thing is that the victim suffer a physical or a mental infirmity, some type of infirmity. And that's what the culprit is going to take advantage of. And that's where the dependency is. And um, the third is simply that the culprit 
uh, obtain or endeavor to obtain the victim the victim's assets. So I can arrest someone for exploitation even when they don't get the goods, so to speak, but just by attempting to is good enough. Ah, huh. okay. So it's, I, I mean, it can be anyone, you know. Uh, it can be uh, anybody. And the big thing here is it's uh, sort of like um, related to children because children are dependent. When a, a person, a disabled person, when a person has a disability, yeah. they're vulnerable and they're dependent because of that disability to some extent. So to take advantage of someone for that reason is far worse than, say, conning or defrauding you or me. Right, you're right. Um, so the penalties are greater, and the crime is, is treated differently. Now, the elderly who, you know, suffer from, um, you know, they're, they're older, I, I imagine that there's common victims, maybe some who are, are, are isolated? Yeah, the, um, usually the victims, I've been doing this for so many years, um, the most common infirmity I deal with, uh, with seniors is short-term memory loss, which is really more of a symptom. But as, as a person gets older, they'll use, lose their short-term memory to some extent. And before you know it, they're unable to pay their bills. Right. Um, I've, I've spoke, interviewed so many victims that can tell me about their lives, but they may not remember meeting me a half hour earlier. Okay. You know, things like that. And um, so that's where the uh, vulnerability comes in. And they have to depend on someone else for some reason, some type of a caretaker. And that's where the the, um, sociopath or psychopath steps in. They see that the sociopath has no remorse and they literally steal everything. They take everything from the victim. So I was I was, you know, reading some of um, your information, even like a mailman. Uh, Yeah, I've arrested a mailman. I almost arrested a priest. Really? Um, A priest? Yeah. yeah, And many caretakers. And, you know, if this is okay, um, I'm just going to touch on this. Either my, my, the majority of the times my culprits are either sociopaths or they exhibit that type of behavior. And the behavior is so, so, so alike between them, it actually makes it easier for me to do my cases. Um, and if it's okay, I'm going to quote another expert. Sure. Dr. Robert, yeah, he's Dr. Robert Hare, and he wrote Without Conscience, The Disturbing World of the Psychopaths Among Us. And one line he wrote is that we are far more likely to lose our life savings to an oily-tongued swindler than our lives to a steely-eyed killer. And what he says is that 1% to 4% of the population are sociopaths. He said, here's, he's saying they're the same thing, psychopaths and sociopaths. And he, he's saying simply, really simplifying it, is they don't feel remorse like the rest of us. And these are the people who can you know, just devastate uh, yeah. a senior citizen who's disabled in some way. Do the sociopaths feel that, I mean, do they believe they're helping these people or they? No. No. Okay. So they, not at all. all. They know this person's vulnerable. They know the person's vulnerable. They do things that without conscience. And um, the reason I'm able to arrest most of them is they not only take, they just don't stop. And there are many occasions where uh, an exploiter can target an elderly person and simply walk away after the first hundred thousand or whatever, but they just don't stop. They keep coming back. Wow! Oh my so, gosh! And, yeah. and 
and the the poor yeah the poor you know elderly our, our parents i mean they 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 don't remember they don't remember right they they're, they're um they're poor witnesses right. because they don't remember and they're dependent and so um sociopaths are um they're cunning manipulative uh they're uh they fail to take responsibility for their actions uh they they'll isolate the elderly person yeah um that's a big thing and sociopaths are attracted just like with children sociopaths are attracted to the victim who nobody's watching so if you you have a senior citizen that's isolated or alone even when they have family, but the family lives elsewhere. Which we have and, a lot of, right. Yeah, and so if a sociopath sees that, that's really bad. And, um, you know, there's there's so many uh, types of caretakers out there that aren't qualified but present themselves as being qualified that um, if no one's watching, they can just have a field day. So, you know, I've had so many devastating cases uh, like that. But back in the 90s, it was different. It's much better today. And exploitation, back then, it wasn't uh, categorized as a crime, really, back then, where today it is. Okay. And, you, but you, 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 got, you started, you know, I guess, really delving into this because no, I, I, this was like a population that was overlooked, kind of. Just uh, completely overlooked. And it's the way, it's the way government functions, the way things function. And we're used to, as a police officer, I'm used to a a victim contacting me saying I've been victimized right. and here's what happened. And, you know, and of course the, an elderly person that doesn't have capacity is unable to do that. So it's up to us to be proactive with it. And um, that's where adult protective services would step in or it, it would take a neighbor or anybody to report, you know, a possible exploitation uh, to allow us to go ahead and do our job. But then it's very important because exploitation isn't considered, it's not a property crime. So it's not like uh, grand theft or fraud or, you know, things like that, because it requires a disability on the victim's behalf. It's really a crime against persons. So when it's reported, okay. it should be reported that way so that it would it'll be prioritized or handled promptly by law enforcement or, or adult protective services. So reporting it as a crime against a person. It's so important, and that, and that you use the right words when you do that. Right. Um, as an example, I had um, I had to help them out. Had these two sisters from Australia fly in to South Florida because their mother, who lived in a nice trailer park down here in beautiful South Florida, was being targeted by a, a man that lived in the community, and he had already taken sixty thousand oh. dollars, and he had um, he had just gotten out of jail. He had a long criminal background. And when the daughters reported it to the local police, the person taking the report took it as a property crime and said to them, okay, uh, um, someone will get, in. this was on a Friday when, when they reported it, they said someone will look into this on Monday. Oh my God. Because we'll be back with Detective Joseph Rubicek to talk more <laughs> about financial exploitation. I can't get that name. It's okay. <laughs> Crimes involving the elderly. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only five feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six foot four, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. 
Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless-looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. You're listening to Parents Are Hard To Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Listen to this and other episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and on demand using the iHeartRadio app. And I want to welcome our new listeners in Madison, Wisconsin, Helena, Helena Montana, Evanston, Illinois, and New Haven, Connecticut, Illinois. I think it's Illinois. That's my New Jersey accent. I apologize. <laughs> We're here with Detective Joseph Rubichek. I got it right. Yeah. <laughs> Who's an expert criminal investigator, and he's talking to us about financial exploitation crimes involving the elderly. And I'm sorry, Joe, we had to um, cut you off. Could you um, start that story again you were telling us about? Sure, and, and I'll get right to the point with it. I had people fly in from Australia to report uh, their uh, mother being victimized by someone that, who lived in the community with her. And the report, though, was taken as an economic crime by the person at the police station. So rather than have someone respond that day, which was a Friday, they had someone come out on a Monday to check on the victim. And the, the, the biggest issue with exploitation crimes is that even if the money's already taken, the victim is still vulnerable and needs, you know, this needs to be addressed right away. Right. So with exploitation crimes, it's important to use keywords like um, say the victim is vulnerable and the victim is endangered. Uh, the victim is, um, uh, you know, dependent and the victim's personal safety is an issue now. And those are really the best things to say when making a report because it gets that message into the into the report taker's mind. Right, that it's we got to get on this right away. Sure, yeah. And um, also, if there's frustration uh, reporting exploitation crimes because it's ongoing, if yeah. the uh, reporter feels that the uh, elderly person is going to be victimized further and more money will be taken from right. their accounts, 
uh, a different a viewpoint is interesting. Consider tying up the money in some legal manner. So you're going to report this type of crime, but also tie up the money in some manner. And that might be having an attorney write a letter to the bank saying that, you know, the issue at hand, please freeze the accounts. Um, I knew a creative stockbroker once that took $600,000 was taken. Oh There's still another 600000 left. And the uh, broker did a brilliant thing. He, leaving the money in the victim's name, he tied up that money by purchasing securities temporarily using that money as security ah, so that it couldn't okay. move. So it's a way to buy time. Right. And, okay, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, also, um, if you're a family member and you're frustrated uh, and you have a relative that's losing capacity in the process of losing it, consider getting your name on their accounts. And we're assuming that the person doing this is legitimate, but it gives gives that relative the, the freedom to uh, watch the elders' assets and, you know, control them if necessary. Um, because if your name's not on the accounts, unless there's a formal court action, you, you, you may not be able to see what's really going on. Yeah, yeah. So. No, that's that's very important. I, I, was, I'm, I was amazed at reading, you know, Famous people, you know, Peter Falk, Glenn Campbell, Brian Wilson, all having, you know, issues. I, I guess these were guardian issues. Um, yeah. Well, yes. With that, that was a, another issue with the guardianship. This is where with these celebrities, you would have uh, first, second or third wives uh, restricting the children from the, from the first or second marriage from seeing the, the celebrity. And the celebrity has Alzheimer's at this stage or whatever. So um, people like Catherine Falk, it's amazing, you know, and the Campbells are going out there and having laws passed in states stating it actually takes a court order for the present wife to restrict other family members from seeing the, the ward or whoever this person is. But then also going off to like Brian Wilson with the Beach Boys right. and other celebrities with Brian Wilson, uh, simply, uh, quote, a friend felt he had an addiction habit and he needed to be placed under um oh no no that was that was the eagles one of the former eagles oh my but at, at any rate a very wealthy person who, who may or may not have had an addiction problem but a friend was able to apply for guardianship to take over the assets so um now things have changed in the 1990s I had a case it's in my book financial abuse of the elderly but i had a, this is what it was like in 1995 for guardianship um, we, I had a woman, she was 95 years old, uh, her name was Ethel, and, uh, and, and Ethel was fine at home, and while she's at home, another woman, Martha Wright, in her 50s, goes into probate court and says, Ethel doesn't have capacity, she's in immediate danger, and uh, emergency guardianship is, is essential here. So the judge gives Martha guardianship over poor Ethel. Oh my God. Martha then has Ethel moved out of her home into a nursing home and literally spends every cent she has, sells the house. Oh my gosh. Um, and poor Ethel's telling everyone, hey, I'm okay. And, um, but unfortunately, we got the case after Ethel passed away and she was buried in a pauper's grave. Oh Everything had been taken. So what, what happened was in the guardianship process, the judge says, okay, um, for now on, the, our, our ward our elderly person has to have an attorney representing her and we have to have a guardian and the guardian also has to have an attorney. And if there's anyone in the family disputing this, 
they must have attorneys too. And the problem is all these parties are billing the estate of the ward. The judge is allowing all of them to charge the ward's estate. Uh, and, and literally with corrupt guardianships, estates are wiped out by guardian fees, attorney fees, you know, and those. Now that's a corrupt guardianship. So that's the way it is today. The pendulum swung too far the other way. Yeah. So. Now, are most states addressing financial exploitation of the elderly? Or are they? Yes. Uh, right now, almost all of them and almost all of them have mandatory reporting requirements. So if you suspect exploitation, uh, you're, you're by law required to report it. And also by law, your anonymity is protected. Um, and also by law, you cannot be sued as long as there's no evidence of uh, malicious intent. Okay. So what I'm saying is if, if you suspect it, yeah. get what information you can, call your abuse hotline, and you, you will be protected, and um, you may be saving someone's life. Yeah. Now, do are, are people skeptical? Be, you know, are they... Are they afraid, you know, if I re report this and that person's going to maybe harm the, the poor elderly person, you know, or, or, you know. Well, the, so I, I'm just giving you my personal experience after 35 years. Sociopaths are scary because they don't have remorse. And so um, just what they're doing is so devastating. And that's what I, I write about in my book. They right. just don't stop. And so um, I believe that anyone that suspects exploitation should suspect that the victim is in uh, danger, danger of personal harm, whether whether there's immediate evidence of it or not. Okay. So and, and that's why um, reference being skeptical, uh, excuse me, reference um, people not believing that all you can do is go ahead and report it and we'll see if adult protective services or law enforcement treats it the way they should. And I guess that's um, – is there a – you mentioned a hotline. So do most states have some type of hotline or is it a – Yes. Okay. They, I, I would hope they all do. If not, 99% of them do. And for Florida, it's 1-800-96-96-ABUSE. You know, they're easy numbers for that. Your anonymity is protected. Um, and, and, again, you may be saving someone's life because sort of like, like a child, there's no one else to protect a person without – that doesn't have capacity right yeah. now I, I have uh, many other you know i have uh had victims with physical disabilities and 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 they had their capacity so um i i know wiener i remember she was 93 she's total a wonderful woman well able to take care of herself but she tripped and broke her wrist so she hired a caretaker to um just to help her out at home uh, for a few months, and then she let the caretaker go. But the caretaker got, became evil oh. and started extorting Ina, making her pay $500 per key for her house keys, garage keys, things like that. Oh, my gosh. And yeah, they, they will do this. And this culprit was calling Ina in the middle of the night, making animal noises, threatening her, etc. cetera. <laughs> A concerned neighbor saved Ina's life by, you know, wondering why Ina, Ina was hiding in her bedroom every day. So oh. she called the police. And we, we can handle these cases well. I simply hooked up a tape recorder, and we had Ina call the girl, and the girl demanded another $500 and said, and don't make, don't make me use the key if you don't pay it. And, and so it was over for the girl. We went and arrested her without the neighbor reporting it, you know. Yeah. 
you know, I'm always stressing to people, you know, for, you know, caregivers, if there's, you know, they, people will just hire someone um, and, you know, off the internet or, you know, they see a sign in ShopRite, you know, in the food store or something, I can help, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. And they, 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 they have no idea who this person is. And I'll, I'll say to them, you, you, you need to go to a service. You don't want to do that. You need to go to a service. You know, um, someone who's reputable, that person is, is um, you know, ha- has a criminal background check done. You know, it's just people will just hire anyone. Diane, Diane I listened to your prior, your, your prior shows, and I've heard you say that. You are so right. You could not be more correct. Um, it, it's so many of my victims validating what you're saying hired their caretakers by going into the um, help wanted section, you know, different sections of the newspaper. Right. Yeah. And I, I'll have, you know, sometimes I'll talk to, you know, a child, a child of an aging parent, they're not in the area. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about things and they'll say, well, I think, you know, so-and-so, my neighbor might know somebody and that person. And I'm thinking, you know, I say to them, but your mom is all alone. She's vulnerable. You know, you, you don't know this person. Do you know this person? You know, have you met them? Have you, you know, is there a background check? I mean, I don't know people, you know, it's scary. You know, you, you just it's, can't do that. It's, it's scary. And also, you don't know if this person is bringing out brand new uh, legal documents and testamentary documents, having the elderly person sign new powers of attorney, new wills, uh, things like that. You don't know, especially if you're out of the area. Right. And so much damage can be done. I'd like to give, before I forget, yes. this is the most important tip I can give. Oh, yes. I hear music? Nope, that's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, here, here we go. If you feel that you have a relative um, or friend that's losing their memory, it's so important to get them to a doctor. It doesn't have to be a formal exam, mental examination, but have that loss of mem- memory documented. The reason is after that, if anyone steals anything, this expert testimony of the doctor and the medical records will make a solid exploitation case where otherwise uh, it would be hard to prove that back then the victim didn't know what they were doing. Thank you so much for that, Joe. And we have a link to Joe's book on our resource page. And Joe, could you um, give us your website? Oh, it's um, exploitationelderly.net. So just exploitationelderly.net. I've got my neat stories. Joe's cases are there. Um, I, the uh, cases from my book aren't there, but other cases are, and there's a lot of good advice on there too. That's perfect. And yeah. we're going to have you back because this went so quickly, and there's so much more. I'm sure you can tell us. Diane, thank you so much for having me, and I really enjoy your show. Oh, I've thank, been listening. Thank you so much. I hope this episode helped you with something you may be dealing with at the moment. Please keep emailing me your questions and comments, and please share as much detail as you can. You can reach me at dianeatparentsarehardtoraise.org or just click the green button on our homepage. Subscribe to our show on iHeartRadio, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. I'd be so grateful if you'd share this episode with your family, coworkers, or friends. This is a vital episode for you to share, episode number 72. Parents Are Hard to Raise is a Countersink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York.
Our New York producer is Joshua Green. Our broadcast engineer is Well Gambino. And from our London studios, the melodic voice of our announcer, Miss Dolly D. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to reading your comments. And can't wait till we meet up again on the next episode of Parents Are Hard to Raise. Till then, may you forget everything you don't want to remember. And remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week. Thank you.